everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? What the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Dad, look out! The bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out the wall! Get inside! You don't believe in the boogeyman. He's here! Michael! You should. Can you close the closet door? To the first episode of Definitely First Blood Shorts, where today we will be reviewing and talking all about, well, not all about, but we will be reviewing and talking about pretty loosely Halloween from 2018, directed by David Gordon Green, written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, and starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, Andy Matichik, and James Jude Courtney, and Nick Castle as the Shade. <laughs> there will be spoilers ahead. Yes, this is a, a spoiler-filled review. Uh, it's not going to be super structured like our regular episodes. We're essentially just going to be talking about our thoughts. This is completely unstructured. And uh, yeah, uh, very few notes, if any at all. So yeah, we saw mm-hmm. the movie on October 18th, Thursday. Thursday. And we will be watching it a second time, but oh, we yeah. haven't had a chance to see it the second time yet. We're hopeful that we'll get to see it in IMAX because we're lucky that we have an IMAX theater uh, very close to us, not just in our hearts, but at a mall that's nearby. Yes. So I think overall we both really liked the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say today I was talking about it with some people at work Okay. somehow, because usually I don't talk to anyone at work. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was like, it was a great Halloween movie, but I wasn't super scared by it. Yeah, no, I think it was definitely the best Halloween sequel. Oh, yeah, by by far. By far. By far. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, It seemed like they had a lot of practical effects, actually, in it. Yeah. Which I really liked. Well, like, with the original, they don't really have any effects at all, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, almost everyone is strangled, and then all of the knife effects are just like a knife going into a watermelon. That's true. Oh, nice. Yeah. I guess in this one, you see, like, twisted necks. Yep. 
I thought there were a lot of really good parallels in this movie between the original and this one. I have a little list. Yeah, so it starts with a documentary film crew consisting of uh, Mr. Corey Mm -hmm. and Dana. Yeah, it sounds about right. And they are at Smith's Grove. Mm -hmm. They are interviewing or going to interview Michael Myers for this documentary that they're they're producing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know how you would not know if you're listening to this, I have no idea. But um, so this is ignoring all of the sequels. It's a direct sequel to the first movie. So Michael Myers has been locked up since the end of mm-hmm. Halloween one. Yeah, forty years ago. Forty years ago. Wow, it's a long time. It is a long time. The documentary film crew making a podcast. No, they're making a documentary. They lie about making a podcast um, to Lori. That's the only time they say it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I was like, I wonder like 20 years from now, 40 years from now. That's a very interesting point. Um, I don't know. I guess it would probably be looked at in the same way that radio shows or something of that like would be looked at. Of the era. Yeah, very of the era. (laughs) But yeah, no, they only really um, use the podcast thing when they're trying to talk to Lori. Otherwise, it's fully out in the open that they're making a documentary of some I sort. See. Especially when they're at the hospital because they have arrangements with um, the doctor, Dr. Sartan, mm-hmm. who uh, is the new Loomis in terms of caring for Michael and not a very nice guy, as we learn throughout the movie. Yeah. But um yeah, no, he's, like, facilitating this. They show Michael his mask. Meanwhile, the inmates are, like, freaking out and everything. The shots are honestly beautiful in oh, yeah. the initial scene with, like, the the red and white checkerboard pattern and stuff. And there's not an opening kill, which is interesting for a slasher movie. Um, I don't think it's a detriment at all. No, um, I think it really uh, made sense, especially in terms of this movie. Because when the killings do start, it, like, really hits you in the oh, gut. Oh, yeah. So they, they wrap up at the fucking hospital or whatever. We learn that Michael is getting transferred again, much like the first movie. They plan on transferring him to this other facility. And then our documentary crew heads to Haddonfield because they want to talk to Lori because... A recurring thing throughout this whole movie is people trying to get Michael to talk and, like, tell... Tell them why mm-hmm. he did it. And he won't. And he won't, which I think is a pretty fun, if not hilarious, nod to like the Rob Zombie's approach <laughs> where he like spelled it out for everyone. That's good. I like From that. like a damaged family, blah, 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 I hadn't blah, thought blah. of it in that way, but man, that fucking movie sucks. So Some people bad. really like it though. So it I, I, it's not for me. I don't like it. So bad. And then when we meet Lori, she's a lot more uh, grizzled than we remember her, even from the non-canon sequels mm-hmm. in this in this case. Like she's she's essentially like a, a Linda Hamilton from Terminator, but yeah, for the Halloween world, definitely. It's a couple of steps up from H two O. Her paranoia there. Yeah, and like a main focus of the movie is about her trauma, right? Oh, definitely. And how could you not be? She's slashed, socked, thrown over a balcony. She watched all of her friends die. Pretty intense. Like when the uh, documentary crew comes to to talk to her, Mm -hmm. they have to give her $3,000 even just to get the chance to talk to her. But they start asking two personal questions and they want her to like... 
go talk to him. And that's that guy's such a fucking idiot. He's a tool. You would think that if he was doing research into this, he would have known better. But anything for the story. Yeah, I think we're supposed to see him as purely self-serving and stuff like that. Which he definitely is. Oh, definitely. And then, like, the rest of the plot is essentially, like, obviously Michael escapes Mm -hmm. and he comes back to Haddonfield and we meet like Lori's family. So there's her granddaughter, Allison and her daughter, Karen and her husband, Ray. And we get to learn a lot about how this trauma has really affected the family. Karen got taken away from Lori when she was 12 and she never was able to regain custody because she was deemed an unfit mother because of her, like obsession with getting revenge and like planning for for Michael's return. Safety planning. Safety planning. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. She's a prepper, but she's a prepper for the inevitability that Michael's going to come home. She's like a very specific Aaron from your next. Yeah, and it's like what they talk about in the first movie when they're in the school scene like the uh the whole fate scenario. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of an examination of that like was this always Lori's fate? Yeah, and everyone else is just like, oh, you, give yeah. it up. Like, Karen thinks it's just all of her trauma and her, she needs to get help. Whereas Allison is a little bit more open to her grandmother. She, like, actively wants to mm-hmm. be, like, an active participant in her life. And, and vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. So she's really trying to seek out this relationship with her grandmother. And I think that that relationship is really a core element of the movie as a whole right like the the three generations and karen went off like karen's a psychologist or therapist or something so you can really tell the direction that what she went through had on her life we meet like allison's friends uh vicky and dave who are a couple and then her boyfriend the guy she's dating cameron ellum who is uh lonnie from the first movie, Son, which I thought was a yeah, nice little connection. I like that too, and they didn't rub it in your face. And then there's the uh, the police officer who they retcon was a like the first responder in the original murders. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this earlier. I think it would have been better for him if he would have been Paul, like Annie's boyfriend. I agree. Like, it would have given the character a little bit more depth in terms of, like, why he's doing this. But he really meets, like, a pretty unceremonious yeah. end, despite them trying to, like, build him up. It could have been more of, like, a, the guy from Night of the Creeps, like, thrill me guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. something like that. Where it's, like, this has been looming over him. Because, and the other thing is, he and Laurie get along so well yeah. in this movie. Like, they definitely have a relationship, or at least an yeah. understanding of each other. Like a begrudging respect, mm-hmm. sort of. So I think that that would have played into it nicely, too. Eh, I don't know. But that's a really good idea that you had. <laughs> so the inevitable obviously happens. Michael breaks free. I was pretty surprised when he does break free that... Like a father and son happen upon the the escaped convicts from the bus, which mirrors obviously the first movie. And I felt like I was totally not expecting the kid to die. And then when he gets totally killed Annie style, I thought was unexpected. And it really set the pace in terms of the murders for the rest of the movie, I thought, where it's just like brutality. But in a different way than Rob Zombie's halloween brutality yes when you think about the kills of this movie we've got 
that kid and his dad, mm-hmm. you don't see his dad die, but you see the broken neck and stuff, and then the kid dies. Our next victims, our docu crew. Yes. Dana and yep. Mr. Corey. Mm-hmm. And when we were watching this, my heart really was pounding mm-hmm. during this scene. Like, I knew largely, obviously, what mm-hmm. was going to happen because it's in the trailer. The worst trailers. And I watched the first two trailers. You only watched the first mm-hmm. one, and they showed a lot. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I did, I wasn't really aware of, but as soon as I realized in that scene what was happening, because in the trailer it shows Michael banging on the door, and it like shows him smashing Corey's head against it but in the trailer it's not clear that's what's happening so when watching the trailer i was like oh that's michael just like smashing his head but then i was confused because michael has no hair and the head hitting the door (laughs) has like long hair so then as soon as that guy walked in the bathroom when he heard her screaming i was like oh yeah yeah and i really appreciated those kills and that it was like full middle of the day realistic to me, anyways, I don't know anything about trauma, but, like, it seemed real. When he hurt people, they reacted the way that people who are hurt in that way would react. You yeah, know I mean? and that guy gets his, like, whole face smashed in. And he's just, like, bubbling by the end of it. I felt bad for Dana because she was, like, a pretty likable character. Yeah. But the company you keep and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, not to mention the, the dudes at the gas station that he... We see the outcome of... Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yikes. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Uh, I liked it. And then the next victims are during the the extended take, right? Mm-hmm. Like where he goes from the... I was kind of disappointed in this scene because I had read about how awesome this extended how take was. How blown away people were by and it. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I just for some reason thought it was going to be longer. And I think it could have been longer. I would say the length of it was the only complaint that I had. Like we kill this woman. It's... Uh, referencing Halloween 2, mm-hmm. the beginning of Halloween 2, and then the we kill the second woman who's talking on the phone, and she's talking on the phone to Sally, which mm-hmm. is what the girl who dies at the beginning of Halloween 2 is talking on the phone to her friend Sally. Oh, nice. So that's a reference to that. And then it's like the the babysitter right her allison's friend vicky and her friend dave oh yeah 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 and oh, i i God. liked this i love i thought it was, was very such scary a great character too and these are obviously the bob and linda mm-hmm. and michael really recreated the kills pretty much the same ghost just more knifey and less strangly oh yeah well i guess maybe he was like gotta make the most of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but yeah, oh my god, her death and the idea of being in her situation, like opening the closet door and seeing that when yeah. you think it's all just the kid over The kid was hilarious, obviously. And that was something I think Danny I noticed. Mc- Danny McBride did a great job with dialogue in this yeah. movie. I wish we would have got to see uh, Dave's death. Because you only really get to see it for a second when the, the police officer and Lori come across his body mm-hmm. that he's been like pinned to the wall he's, much like bob yeah, but through the back of his neck and i liked that scene too like where they're looking through the house when you know michael's still in the mm-hmm. house and he like finds vicky's body underneath the the ghost sheet <sighs> nuts and like Lori sees him in the upstairs and window shoots and shoots him tries to shoot him yeah oh doesn't she shoot like a mirror or something 
Yeah, because he's like looking in a mirror and she sees him looking in the mirror. So good. The one thing I I will complain about is Mm -hmm. we set up this Cameron character and maybe he'll come back if they do a sequel and I I, it made so much money that I can't see it not doing a sequel. I wish he would have died because he was an asshole. He threw he threw a phone phone in pudding. pudding. Why did he throw a phone in pudding? What an asshole! Plus, he was like kissing that girl. How do you drink that much between the time that you get there? And then, right? It's implausible. implausible and I really thought, uh, like, there's going to be like a hack and slash in the in the school dance. Me too. But I think it's probably better that that didn't happen. On in like retrospect, it wouldn't have fit with the original vibe. Not in a school, all in a suburb. I think David Gordon Green did a relatively good job of like keeping the aesthetic values of the original and sort of like carrying it over. Oh, definitely. A lot of extended takes. A lot of very careful lighting uh he wasn't great at creating atmosphere i agree with you i'll say that for sure didn't have that same feeling as the first one yeah but i guess how can you right i feel like part of that minimalism feeling of it was all of the constraints that they had time constraints budgetary constraints oh definitely and it almost felt sometimes like they had because they had their a and B story going on because mm-hmm. they had Lori's story as well as Allison's story yes. happening at the same time. I feel like the movie could have been 15 minutes longer to like really get in some more character oh, shit. Oh yeah, without making it feel too, it didn't feel too long at all. Anyway. Oh no, It was a pretty long movie, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was like oh, an okay. hour and 45 minutes Then it definitely could have been two hours. Yeah. yeah, oh, 100% it could have been two hours to get to know Karen and Allison more. Yeah, they did, they weren't, the least fleshed out of yeah. the three, definitely. But I guess Jerry... I liked when, like, the Cameron's friend died. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought his death was pretty cool, like, in the backyard or whatever. Oh, God. Very yeah. effective and spooky. Excellent use of motion tracking. And I thought it was creepy, too, because it's, it's like Michael doesn't trigger the motion tracker. It's, like, more of a supernatural force. Oh, for sure. And then that's when Allison really figures out shit's going mm-hmm, south mm-hmm. and you get the reference to like Lori running away in the first movie except this time the neighbors actually answer the door yeah <laughs> well, i don't know it's nice i i like that and i do i would like to think that people would actually answer their door nowadays but i would hope knows? so who knows though upper middle class illinois neighborhood <laughs> i don't know like when they're bringing her the sheriff and the doctor mm-hmm. to Lori's house which has been deemed, like, the safest place for them. And then the doctor flips. You find out he's evil. That was so out of left field. I didn't hate it. It was just, like, so out of left field, and it was, like, a very quick, unfortunate end to the... The sheriff. uh, Well, he wasn't the sheriff. He was just a deputy. The sheriff was that other guy with the big hat. With the big hat. I mean, it worked in terms of how do we get Allison from downtown Haddonfield to Lori's house. Yeah. In a way that also where Michael was. Yeah. She also probably shouldn't have run into the woods. She should have run to the police officers, but maybe she didn't see them or something. She's probably just desperate. I liked when Michael crushed the doctor's head. Ooh. Curb stomped him. Excellent practical effect. Fantastic. Very nasty. Uh, and what he did with those cops' heads, too, the jack-o'-lantern Yeah, heads. we haven't talked very much about Ray, Allison's <laughs> dad, and he, he he was, like, the comedic relief through the oh, movie. Yeah. He's got some, like, good lines. But then he really fucks shit up at the end when he goes, 
like when the cop car pulls up and he's just like hello he unlocks hello 12 locks and like a dead bar yeah a bar in front of the door and just leaves the door wide open doesn't tell anyone else he's going outside gets killed with wind chimes i guess which is pretty gnarly did he yeah he he got strangled strangled with wind chimes that's awesome i love that um i do think that it made sense for his character though that's probably why they were making him to be so goofy the whole time yeah but man man I don't know. And Karen's turn, her third act turn. Yeah, when well, as soon as she realizes that her mother isn't crazy despite yeah. what she has been told and then is trying to like convince herself of. There's a lot of reconciliation, but it's unsaid. Yeah. More or less. I mean, she tells her that she loves her. They tell each other that they love each other. Oh, definitely. And I can't think of a better expression of love than immediately dipping back into the plan that your mom came up with when you were a kid. Flawlessly. Like, her and Lori hang out in the basement for, like, a good chunk of it. Yeah. And initially, like, when it's the two of them down there and Michael's up top and, Mm -hmm. like, Lori shoots it, I was like, what the fuck is she doing? Yeah, it made no sense. But then it does, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're trying to get him down there. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when Allison finally shows up at the house mm-hmm. and she just like walks in after all of this, I thought that was a little strange, it, but yeah, it, I just felt like it could have been more tense or like she could have come in in like a bigger way or something. I think they could have framed it a little bit more from the perspective of my mom and my grandma, two women I love intensely. Yeah. I like know she, that she could have had that happening. like hero moment or something. Like, where, just like Lori, like, taking after the, she, that's what really impressed me about Lori in the first one, is because she's gone through so much trauma, and the second she's back with those kids, she's hugging them and trying to keep them safe. And it's like, yeah. she's she's working on multiple levels, you know what I mean? For sure. Allison sort of does the same, though, yeah. right? Like, as soon as she's reunited with her mom and grandma, mm-hmm. she takes a more active role. Oh, definitely. But I think, like, part of the, the message too was that like Lori prepped Karen for this Mm -hmm. and Karen did not prep Allison for this at all so Allison was more like Lori in that true she was like innocent very true and Karen was never innocent yeah and her grandma it doesn't sound like her grandma talked a lot about what actually happened that night with anyone there's that really bummer scene where she started crying at the restaurant and I felt like Karen should have really been cutting her at least a little bit of slack because it's the anniversary, the 40th anniversary. I had anniversary. that written down. Cut her some slack. It's the 40th anniversary, and he's getting transferred that day. Yeah. I mean, Karen, if you're a therapist, you should know. I don't know. Then again, we haven't had to live with her, but I, I still, oh, it made me really uncomfortable because she was clearly in distress. <laughs> and acting out of turn for how she had been acting in the past, what, 10 years? Probably? Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. So when the, the ladies are finally all together and, like, Michael's in their Lori's house mm-hmm. and the hunter has become the hunted, Lori gets taken out of commission, right? Because mm-hmm. she and Michael have their standoff and uh, she gets stabbed and, like, Oof. thrown over over the balcony much like he did at the end of the first Mm -hmm. one and then she disappears and then she disappears just like him Mm -hmm. and you've got allison and karen in the basement and karen has that like moment where she realizes like oh fuck i'm gonna need to nut up and she sees her old gun with her 
uh, initials carved into yep. it. And that lightning bolt. So then they know that they have to like lure Michael down there. Mm-hmm. And then she pretends like, I can't do it. Mom, I can't. I can't do it. And it, this goes back to like, you said you think yeah. Laurie was doing the With same the thing needle. in the original, right? In retrospect, after yeah. having watched this, that's what I think. Yeah. And then as soon as Michael shows up, she's like, gotcha. And like shoots him. And then she and Allison book it out of there after Lori comes from behind and like knocks him down. It was like a righteous, because at first I was like, what? Yeah. Are you really giving up? Please don't. Like, yeah. I can't believe it. You're, you are, because Karen's a strong character, even if she's not w- going with her mom, right? Yeah. It takes strength to stand up to people like that. Oh, for sure. If you think they're in the wrong. And seeing her being like i can't do it sucked but then man when she fucking shot him i was like yes yeah yeah so like michael falls down the stairs right and then uh allison grabs his knife and then uh michael grabs karen's leg and starts like dragging her down and it's like a a tug of war basically and then allison grabs the knife and starts stabbing michael's Hand. hand which is pretty gnarly i think he cut she cuts off two of his fingers no Lori, uh, when he's trying to break through the door oh. initially like Lori shoots two of his fingers nice. off with her shotgun yes that, yes um it's kind of th- i thought that scene was sort of metaphoric because uh obviously the granddaughter doesn't but karen is the one who's being like punished sort of in her mind by Lori's experience mm-hmm. And then the daughter comes up and is like, no, I'm going to cut this, cut this right off you. And we're going to move on from that. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. That's a good way of looking at it. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, for sure. And they all help each other. They do. So they like set all of their, their traps. Mm-hmm. We learned that the whole house was a trap this yeah. whole time. Not He's a cage. stuck in the basement. They start filling it with gas mm-hmm. and then they light it up. And they leave. And the whole thing turns into a huge conflagration. <laughs> it's great. It shows the basement and we see that Michael's not there. So it leads, leads to a sequel potentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would imagine anyway. And then they like run out and go to get in the back of the truck. Yeah. The truck uh, is going down the road and they just yeah. jump in the back. Kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I like it a lot. And then when they're like all three of them in the back, mm-hmm. we see Karen and Allison. Yep both have their weapons still and i thought that was like a great reference to the first especially allison holding on to the knife yep because Lori dropped the knife every time she used it and they learn from their mistakes they do (laughs) plus you probably want to frame that if the police don't take it i don't know i loved karen's christmas sweater yeah that was really great it was fantastic and there was a lot of attention to detail paid in this movie and i really appreciated it Oh, definitely. I really, I don't know. I really liked it. I Like I said, I think it's definitely the best sequel mm-hmm. of all of the Halloween movies. I would put it underneath 1978 as being like my favorite one. Yeah. Um, room for improvement for sure. But I mean, it's pretty much everything I could ask for in terms of a, a Halloween movie. Oh, I don't yeah. know how, other than, like I said, like, I think hopefully they release an uncut version or a director's cut or something yeah, yeah. where they have extra footage because even in the trailers there was some stuff that wasn't actually in the movie so i'm hoping that there's like extra stuff but i really liked it i'm glad that it's so successful that's fucking amazing especially because it's r-rated that it gives me hope that they'll put more of those out in the future because 
I fucking PG thirteen movies mm-hmm. most of the time are just genuine garb. Wasted time. Yeah. And I know we were talking about like if they revive other franchises, hopefully they'll do so with the same amount of respect that was paid to Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. You would hope so. Oh, for sure. It's good to know that horror movies can still bring in hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. I think that's awesome. Huge kudos to this movie for doing Mm -hmm. that. I really liked it. I would highly recommend it. I don't know why you would listen to this if you haven't already seen it, but yeah, no, really, really good movie. Buy it on Blu-ray or DVD. Can't wait to see it a second time, especially if we get to see it in IMAX. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm excited. Hope. I know some people didn't like some of it, but I think on on the whole, the consensus is that it was pretty good. So. Oh, certainly. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't look at it and say, oh, anyone would look at this and say it's more bad than good. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's, that's the end of it because we don't want to talk for too long. <laughs> it's already been half an hour. Uh, but yeah, this was the first episode of our definitely first blood shorts series Mm -hmm. the next one will probably be our review of the new suspiria which comes out in two weeks and i'm looking forward to it me too to some extent yeah it's never going to be the original no hopefully it can be good on its own yes thank you so much for listening and i think we're releasing this on halloween so happy halloween officially happy halloween and happy 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 Halloween. You can follow us on social media at Deaf First Blood on Twitter, definitely First Blood on Instagram, and if you want to email us, definitely First Blood at gmail.com. And we hope you guys have an awesome day. Catch you on the flip side. Bye.